0: Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you would, please take out the Word of God and turn in it in the New Testament to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter number 26. Matthew chapter number 26. You know, we live in the internet age in which we're able to just focus on all kinds of things through various websites that exist out there. And I found an interesting website this past week. It was a website that focuses on failures. Very interesting. Failuremagmag.com. Failuremag.com. And when you go there, they focus on a number of significant failures. And one of the great failures they talk about on that website is the failure of cafe owner Plenty Wingo. Now, Plenty Wingo lived during the time of the Depression, and he lost his cafe in Abilene, Texas in 1930 because of the Great Depression, which had just begun. And then he was thinking about, how am I going to be able to feed my family and provide for my family? And he got this brilliant idea. He said, what I'm going to do is I am going to walk backwards around the world. Now, you have to imagine that his wife thought that was a crazy idea. And indeed, she tried to argue with him. That is nuts to do that. And he said back to her, no, I believe it's going to work what we'll be able to do as I walk backward around the world is we will get all these sponsorships. And then he had the idea I could take a picture of myself walking backward, put it on a postcard and I could sell those postcards as we walk. So as you see on the screen you have a picture there of Plenty with his wife and his daughter and then a picture of the actual postcard where he was walking backwards and those are the ones he would sell along the way and he said you know what when I do this we are going to get to be rich. Now, one of the thing he found was he found some eyeglasses that had attached to them rear view mirrors. These were glasses that were actually made in the day for motorcycle riders. He said, that'll be perfect for me because I'll have my glasses on, and I'll have the rear, the rear view mirrors right there and I'll be able to walk backwards. And he developed this little sign that would hang around his neck that said, around the world, backward. Now, when he was asked by the people down in, in the Abilene area, which way are you going to go, he says, I'm going east, but I want you to watch west, and I will be back. And Plenty actually started from Fort Worth, Texas, and headed to the east coast because he planned to get a ship there to go on to Europe. When he got to Rhode Island, he found there divorce papers from his wife, Adela. He finally though made it to Boston, got on a ship that went to Hamburg, Germany, Walked backward from Hamburg, Germany to Istanbul, Turkey where he was arrested and thrown into jail. He was then forced to come back to the United States. When he returned to the United States he had four dollars to his name. Now he went on to do several US walks But Plenty Wingo died at the age of 98 in poverty and obscurity. He was a failure, according to FailureMag.com. Now, as I was looking through that website, I noticed there was a failure, a significant failure that was not mentioned there. And that is the failure we want to talk about and look at today. Today we are continuing our series of messages that Pastor Mark began in the Gospel of Matthew entitled, Defeating Death, where we're looking at Matthew chapters 26, 27, and 28. And today we're going to be looking at the most famous failure in all of the New Testament, which is Peter's denial of Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to read two sections out of Matthew 26, first verses 30 to 35, and then verses 69 to 75. I'm going to read them. and invite you to follow along in your Bible as I'm reading from them. Matthew 26, 30. After singing a hymn, remember they had been in the upper room, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. And after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. Then turn over to the actual events that occur in verse 69. It says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to him and to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you two are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. And then he began to curse and swear. I do not know the man. And immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Now, the title I have given to today's message is Avoiding the Pitfall of Failure. And all of us, all of us, as followers of Jesus, have experienced spiritual failures on some level or another. And all of us every day struggle with the specter of failure because, you see, the aim of our enemy is to have us spiritually stumble. So a good question to ask as we look at this great failure is what missteps did Peter make? What pitfalls set him up to be susceptible to spiritual stumbling? That's the question that we are asking. Now, I tell you, when we look at Peter, I like to call Peter the human disciple. It doesn't mean that the others weren't human, but he is so much like us, right? He is the one that we identify with. And when you look at Peter, it's just like looking in the mirror. So what did the Lord Jesus want to teach Peter? What did he want to teach all of the disciples? What did he want to teach us? It all centers around spiritual failure. Think about that. Spiritual failure. Anyone plan to go there? No. No. And yet we can find ourselves experiencing that in our life. Now here's the outline I've given to today's message. Number one, we're going to look at Jesus' warning. Number two, we're going to look at Peter's failure, the pitfalls that he fell into. And then as we conclude, we'll look at some life lessons together. So let's begin by looking at Jesus' warning. Let's go back to chapter 26 and verse 30. And I will remind you that while they were in the upper room, that Jesus had been teaching them. And you can see much of that teaching in John chapters 14 to 17. One of the things he was emphasizing to them was the importance of abiding in him. Trusting and resting in him. And so they they have this final experience of having the Passover meal together. And then it says in verse 30 that after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they'd been in the upper room. They'd finished off with their last Passover meal together, and then they went out. Now, Jewish tradition was that when you would have the Passover meal and you would depart, you would sing Psalm 118. And I just want to share with you some of the wording. I'm not going to read all through Psalm 118, but I want to share with you some of the wording of that psalm, which is what they were singing as they left the upper room and they're on the way to the Mount of Olives 118 oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever out of my distress I called on the Lord the Lord is on my side I will not fear what can man do to me I was pushed hard So that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice these words from Psalm 118 Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So we're looking at Jesus' warning. They had the Passover meal. They come out singing Psalm 118. And then Jesus, somewhere on the way, says to them, verse 31, You will all fall away because of me this night. Now, that phrase, all fall away, is the one that the New American Standard uses. The ESV uses that. The New King James Version uses the word stumble. You're all going to stumble this night. The idea is that they would all spiritually stumble. In other words, what Jesus was saying to them is there's something that's going to come in your life, a set of circumstances, and it's going to stagger your faith. It's going to shake your confidence in me. It's going to challenge your loyalty to Jesus and we see Peter's response in verse 33 you notice how it begins but Peter here we go again but Peter said to him even though all may fall fall away because of you I will never fall away now you have to kind of picture yourself you're in that group And when he says that all may fall away, he's sort of looking at the rest of the guys. You know, them, maybe, Lord. I mean, those guys aren't as sharp as I am. Them, yeah, they might fall away. But me, never, never going to happen. And what we're going to see is there are three issues that led to the pitfall of failure for Peter. And what is interesting is all of these issues are intertwined together. And while Peter is at the center stage here, all of the disciples really took the same path. So what are these three issues? Well the first issue is the issue of pride. Pride. Peter had an inflated view of himself. Now you remember in the in the Gospels we we see that Peter is often at the forefront. Peter was part of the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. Peter was maybe the biggest in size of the disciples. He was certainly the loudest of them. He's often listed first. He was used to being out front. And here's a principle I want to share that you might want to jot down. It's very valuable. The principle is pride mushrooms in an environment of comparison. Let me say that again. Pride mushrooms in an environment of comparison. And here's what I believe. No doubt Peter could wax element eloquent when it came to the spiritual flaws and the weaknesses of Matthew he probably could have gone on for several minutes about that he could wax eloquent about the spiritual flaws and weaknesses of Andrew he could do that with the spiritual flaws and weaknesses of Thomas on down the line and you know what we do the same kind of thing we elevate ourselves by focusing on the flaws of those around us and we begin to think you know what I'm a little bit superior to those folks we do that with our spouse where we focus on their flaws we can do that with our brothers and our sisters and our family we focus on their flaws we can do that with our coworkers. we do that with people in the news we do that with politicians and we focus on their flaws in a subtle way it's affecting our, our own attitude and perspective about ourselves. we begin to think you know what Compared to them, I'm pretty sharp. To them, I'm capable. I wish other people, I wish other people had my insight. And what pride tends to do is we, it tends to start us thinking in a way that puffs ourselves up. In fact, the Corinthians struggled with that great problem. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul addresses them about this whole idea of puffing themselves up. He says, you are puffing one another up against another. Four times in 18 verses, he uses a verb that in the New American Standard is translated arrogant. It's one of my favorite verbs in the Bible. It's the verb fusiao. P-H-U-S-I-O-O, O O. Fusia-O. And fusiato is an onomatopoeic word that means it sounds like its meaning. And so, think of the word, you know, if you're blowing something up, fusiato. And he says that's what's happening, Corinthians. You're puffing yourselves up against one another. You are getting arrogance by comparing yourselves to other people. Well, of course, Peter says. I'm not falling away. I'm not falling away. Back in Matthew 26, verse 34, Jesus issues a more direct warning to him. Truly I say to you, Peter, that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, what do you think Peter does as he gets a more direct warning? He he doubles down on it. He doubles down on the whole thing verse 35, Peter says to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. When you go to the parallel section in Mark chapter 14, it says that this reply from Peter went like this. He kept saying insistently, as it says in the New American Standard. Other versions said he insisted emphatically, emphatically. He didn't just say it once. It was repetitively, over and over and over again, even I have have to die with you, I will not deny you. And there in Matthew 26, verse 35, when it says, I will not deny you, he constructs that in the most strongest negative way possible in the Greek language. He basically was saying over and over repetitively to Jesus, insisting it over and over, I will absolutely never, 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 ever deny you. Reminds me of what it says in the book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, where it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, you hear that word haughty. It's not one that we use in everyday English. What does haughty mean? Haughty means arrogant. Pride goes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. When you look at chapter 26 and verse 35, at the end it says, and all the disciples said the same thing too. It wasn't just a Peter problem, but Peter was leading out on it. Now, as we said, there are three issues that I think led to a pitfall of failure for Peter. They're all intertwined together. The first issue was the issue of pride. The second issue that is connected to that is blindness to our neediness. Blindness to our neediness. Now, again, remember what was going on in the upper room. Jesus was teaching them. He was saying to them, it is necessary that you understand That you need to be abiding in me. You need to be relying on me. And remember in in John 15, 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that really mean? I mean, it doesn't mean you, you know, you can't throw a football or you can't eat a sandwich. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He means you can't have spiritual success without reliance on me. Abiding in me is necessary. It's not about self-reliance. It's about God reliance. Now, as you think about all of that, think again about those words that they were singing before these failure events happened from Psalm 118. They were singing, the Lord is on my side. They were singing, the Lord helped me. They were singing, the Lord is my strength and my song. You know what that was? That was a sovereign reminder in the grace of God as they were leaving there and as Jesus had been teaching them, they were remembering again as they were singing those songs, we must find our strength in God. We must find our reliance on him. That in ourselves we are weak and we are vulnerable. But his grace is sufficient. He has the strength that we need. You know, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. You remember where he had that thorn in the flesh? And he kept asking God to remove that thorn from his life. And God's response was what? My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul learned from that. And he goes on to write these words. He says, I learned that when I am weak, that really means when I am aware of my neediness, then I am strong. Isn't that interesting? When I'm aware of my neediness, then I become strong because I'm looking to God to give me the strength that I need. Can you identify with any of this we're talking about today? I don't know about you, but (laughs) whoa! I identify with it. Can you identify with the idea of pride and thinking? highly of yourself, comparing yourselves to other people, getting a little bit of a superior attitude. Remember, pride mushrooms in an environment of comparison. And what about this whole idea of blindness to our neediness? Wow. That happens a lot. But remember I said there's three issues that are intertwined. You have the pride, you have the blindness to our neediness, and here's the third one. Are you ready for it? It is a lack of of prayer. They're all connected together. All of them are connected together. Now the whole story of the lack of prayer we're not going to look at today. It's in chapter 26 verses 36 to 46. You can go and read that later on if you want. But while the disciples were wallowing in pride and their blindness to their neediness, as they go into the garden, what is Jesus doing? Remember? Jesus is praying. And Jesus even comes to them and he says to the disciples and Peter, pray. The flesh is weak. You know what Jesus was really saying to them? He was saying something like this. Pray up or trip up. Remember again part of what they had been singing from Psalm 118? Save us we pray, O Lord. O Lord we pray, give us success spiritually. And you go, ouch. Ouch. They had just been singing it and yet there was no prayer coming from them. And and this whole idea of lacking prayer, I'm just being transparent. It is easy for me. It is easy for all of us. Because we are on the run all the time, right? In, In the type of Life that we live, we have to log time at work. We have to chauffeur the kids around. We maybe have to go to class. We maybe have homework we need to do. We have projects that have to happen around the house. Maybe we have to clean. Maybe we have to wash. Maybe we're involved in sports teams or our kids are involved in sports teams. We've got to go back and forth to practices. We have video games we play. We watch TV. We watch movies. We're involved in a church. And it's so easy to live our life without daily and truly deep interaction with God. See, what I find easy to do is just sort of plow through daily life, ultimately having some confidence in myself, being self-dependent and forgetting my own neediness. And that's one reason why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So we see Jesus' warning. Let's flip over to verse 69 and let's look at how Peter's failure worked its way out. Now remember what happens, of course, is that Jesus is arrested in the garden. And I think Peter had, had mentally planned out, there's probably going to an attack come like this. Soldiers are going to come get Jesus. When they do, you know, I'm pulling my sword out and I'm going to try to defend him. And remember, he actually did that and he cut off the ear of Malchus, who was one of the slaves that was there. He kind of had a plan because he thought things were going to come this way. But he hadn't anticipated a subtle attack that would come from the side. He was not prayerfully prepared at all. And you remember what happens is that Jesus is arrested and then he's taken to the high priest's house. And there you had this fake trial going on and Jesus is beaten and Jesus is slapped around. And Jesus is spit in the face. All of that's happening. And as he went there, Peter followed. And he's in the courtyard of the high priest. And we're going to see three stages of his failure. The first stage is in verses 69 and 70. Look at verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him and said, You too were Jesus the Galilean? Now in the parallel gospel, John chapter 18 verse 17... She asked this question. You can ask a question in that day expecting either a positive response or a negative response. She actually words it expecting a negative response. Like she's really doubtful. Like, are are you one of those guys that was there? I don't really think so, but were you? And then in verse 70, his response, he denied it, it says, before the mall because there were other people there in the courtyard saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even, I mean, somebody got arrested? I mean, I'm just sort of hanging out here in the courtyard of the high priest. What are you asking me questions for? And then the, the second stage of his failure is found in verses 71 to 72. Look at verse 71 says when he had gone out of the gateway, I think what happened is she began to talk to him, and so he begins to shift location. You know, he probably did it kind of slowly and inconspicuously, you know. He just sort of walked a little bit off, trying to not make any big deal out of anything. So he walks over to another area there, and now a question comes to him in verse 71 that's more direct. Another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, hey, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And when you look at the other Gospels, more people go, yeah, you know what, I do think I recognize him. I do think that he was there. And then in verse 72, we get Peter's response. Again, he denied it, this time with an oath, it says. That would be like saying, as God is my witness, everyone listening here, as God is my witness, I do not know the man. And then that leads to the third stage of this spiritual failure in verses 73 and 74. Notice verse 73 begins by saying a little later. In the Gospel of Luke, it says it was about an hour later. Now remember, during this time, the beating of Jesus was intensifying. And in verse 73, a group of bystanders come up, and they say to Peter, you are one of them. Even the way you talk gives you away. They're saying, you know, you stand out like a Texan in New York City. I mean, we know you were one of those. And in John chapter 18, it's interesting that a relative of Malchus, you know, the one who had his ear cut off, happens to be here too. And he says, yeah, I saw you in the garden. You were there. And then what does it say in verse 74? Peter began to curse and swear. Now he adds cursing and swearing. He adds in pagan street language. He is outright indignant. I do not know the man. He said something like this. God damn me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And then it says... A rooster crowed. And what's interesting in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 22, verse 61, it says that Jesus was out on the balcony of the high priest, so he was actually overlooking where Peter was. And it says he turned and he looked at Peter. And Peter ends up in the pit of failure. Notice what happens. Peter remembered. The word which the Lord Jesus had said, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. It's a pit of failure. That's where pride and blindness to our neediness and lack of prayer leads. Oh, but the good part of the story is his failure is not the end of the story, right? Right? After Jesus has been resurrected, remember the Lord Jesus is there with his open arms and his grace and his forgiveness. In fact, God even says of himself in Exodus chapter 34, I, the Lord God, am compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, a God who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. And we could add the word failure. His grace and his mercy is greater than our failures. Have we failed? Some of us, all of us have in different ways. Maybe the failure was an act of unfaithfulness in marriage. Maybe it was a significant financial blunder. Maybe it was a night that went further than you ever thought it could. Maybe it was an abortion. Maybe it was a lie that we blurted out only so we wouldn't be caught. It says in 1 John 1 9 that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can even find more encouragement as we see how Jesus relates to Peter. You know, what Peter receives from Jesus is the same thing he really sends our way. Because what Jesus says to Peter, he gives him a call to learn from his failure. In Luke twenty two thirty two. 32 he said to to him, before all this happened, he says, I have prayed that you would not fail. But after you have returned, Peter, strengthen your brothers. What does that mean? That our past failures can become guardrails for future spiritual success. He says, after Peter had failed, what I want you to do now, Peter, is help restore other people when they fail. Let your mess become your ministry to other people. So all of us struggle with the specter of failure. And I just want to tie up some life lessons as we get ready to conclude here. Some preventative life steps we can all take. Here's the first one. The first preventative life step is remember our innate need. That apart from him, we have no chance for spiritual success. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. When we are weak, when we realize our need for dependence, then I am strong. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you really acknowledged to God your need of him on an hourly, daily basis? weekly basis just when's the last time you communicated that to him the second preventative life step we can take is to heed God's counsel remember Peter got counsel from Jesus he he actually came at him from several different angles including the Psalm 118 they were singing as they laughed so we need to heed God's counsel what could the Holy Spirit be warning you about in your life right now Maybe he is warning you through the word of God. Maybe he's warning you through a wise friend. Are you listening? Are you listening? And then the third step, preventative step, we can take is to pray regularly. And you know, a lot of times when we hear a statement like that, our head just drops. I know, I I know I should pray regularly. And we sort of make this a complicated thing. You know what's interesting? Too often we find ourselves praying, maybe over our meals, praying for a parking place, praying for a test, and certainly praying if there's a serious illness that we or someone we love is facing, but do we really pray regularly? And let me just encourage you. I think, I'm going to give you a little simple plan where you can pray regularly. It involves five different prayers that we can pray on a regular basis. And I'm going to stick them up on the screen. These prayers are God lead me, God teach me, God use me, God strengthen me, God embolden me as we interact with other people about who Jesus is. We have verses for all five of those, two sets of verses, Romans 8:14, Gal- Galatians 5:18, John 14:26, John 16:13, Galatians 5:13, First Peter 4, 10 and 11, Ephesians 1:18 to 20 and chapter 3 verse 20 Philippians 1:20 and Ephesians 6:19 lead me teach me use me strengthen me embolden me we don't have to make it complicated but he wants us to pray regularly and here's the other encouragement i want to say though we fail god never will You know that Psalm 118, that psalm that they sang, begins and it ends with the same two phrases. Here they are. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that we can learn from someone else's failure like we're learning from Peter and Lord, we know that what Peter went through is just the same kind of thing that we go through. And we would pray, Lord, but we would not allow ourselves to be set up by allowing ourselves to just drink in pride, to forget how needy we really are, and then just to not pray when we should be praying regularly thank you you, that you are so forgiving. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for, for your forgiveness. We thank you for your strength that you provide through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.